so thankful you've chosen to tune in on whatever platform you're using, whether Podbean or through Facebook or iTunes. Whatever way you're listening, I just want to say thank you for joining in. We'd love to hear from you, so drop a comment to us or email us at thegrove267 at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as a ministry, go to hisgrove.com, or you can also check us out on Facebook at Deeply Rooted Ministries in Canton, Texas. We believe God wants to use these messages to spread His truth to a needy world, but primarily a needy church, which needs the truth of the Word to resurrect among us so that Heaven's army will be equipped to win souls and train them up in the Lord. Jesus said if we know the truth, it will set us free. So help us to bring freedom to people's lives by sharing these messages in any way you can. Now to our podcast. Well, welcome back, listeners. Um, those who are maybe a first-time listener or people who have been joining us for a while. Um, as it, you know, I'm, I have to actually kind of drop the ball. I did a podcast last Monday, and I was kind of detailing a little bit of what I was going to be doing since we finished up our series over Luke. And I had talked about briefly about how I was going to go into the book of Jude and do probably a two-part series on that one, a podcast on it. Uh, but I've yet to actually get that posted. It's been kind of a hectic last week or so. So I'm going to plan on getting that posted today. Um, but before I go into that, um, it's something I've wanted to do for a little while. I'm going to do kind of an interview-style podcast today for you guys. And it's going to be geared around the concept of motherhood. All right, And I'm sure that some of you guys are thinking like, you know, well, who is this guy that he... Um, is going to do a podcast about motherhood. Well, as I said, it's an interview style. So joining me is my beautiful wife, who is going to be sharing a lot of her heart towards this, um, as I'm going to be asking her questions to um, to just kind of give just a, an edifying podcast for you guys to be able to instruct y'all in, in motherhood and in hopefully encourage you young ladies out there who might not be mothers yet, or maybe you are a mother already, um, no matter where you find yourself at, I'm hoping that this is going to be an encouraging podcast for you. So, Jen, why don't you go ahead and say hi to the audience. Hello. <laughs> uh, so, this is different for me. I've never actually done this, but I'm excited about it. I've been excited about it. And I'm actually more nervous, I think, doing this than I am when I'm just down here by myself and doing these podcasts alone. And so, um, so why don't you, like, before we even go um, any further on that, why don't you just tell a little bit about yourself, um, kind of let the – they know some. If they've been listening for a while, I kind of talk about you um, oftentimes in the podcast. So they know a little bit about you, primarily probably that you've got 10 kids and now one on the way. So uh, technically you have 11 children and, um, and you have a husband to take care of. So they know some of that stuff, but why don't you fill them in a little bit on you? <clears throat> First of all, I'm really nervous about <laughs> being down here. Um, I This is her first podcast, by the way. So yes. she has never done anything quite like this. And despite, I guess, people's um, perspective on you have 10 kids, you must be like super mom. I really don't feel that I often get it right. So I'm a little bit nervous about answering these <laughs> questions. I don't feel equipped. So um, about me, um, gosh, I don't know. I'm almost 40. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit different. I think mothering for me, my perspective on mothering is very different from when I was in my 20s when we started. Um, 
I don't really know what to say other well, than I have two like kids some, and... What are some of your interests? I mean, it doesn't, we're, it doesn't have to be oh, just okay. motherhood. What are some of your interests? Um, like, we can describe you. You're about five foot, um, about 115, 120, in pretty good shape. She works out a lot um, because she has to try to keep her body fit for whenever she has all these babies um, to give her strength, especially now that she's getting close to 40. Um, brown hair. And so that's kind of the exterior things. What are some of your interests? Um, I don't know. I'm a simple person. <laughs> okay. I am, my motto's function over fashion, so I'm not very fashionable, but I like practicality and things that work. Um, I love coffee and chocolate and yeah, sunsets the way to her heart. and yeah, um, <laughs> sitting on the porch, you know, watching storms blow in. I don't know. I'm just very simple. Okay. All right. All right. Good deal. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's great. I already know you pretty well. This is for other people who don't even see your face right now. Um, all right. So let's just get into this. All right. It's a podcast. People are joining in and they want to kind of hear about your experience, your heart, your perspective, how God's um, has changed that heart over the years even for the concept of motherhood, just all things involving motherhood. So just kind of like to the first question. So how would you describe a biblical form of motherhood and its intended purpose for what God intends motherhood for? I mean, obviously we know that God created uh, Adam first and then Eve came and he created her as a helper, but that doesn't really signify motherhood. Um, he gives them children. What, what would you say is a biblical form or intent um, for motherhood and what motherhood is? Um, I I would think of motherhood as <clears throat> this ongoing process of uh, self-sacrifice and, and service for the benefit of other people. Um, ultimately for the purpose of of training and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, I do also feel like, in a way, though we didn't create them, it is a way, I mean, ultimately God created them, but it is a way um, to have a physical example of um, enjoying your creation, loving them and enjoy spending time with them, um, getting to know them and be known by them. I don't know, just in a way, sort of like that. So image it, toward uh, our relationship with, with God the Father. Sure. So it's a, a growing in a relationship with your children and discipling them for something greater than just a worldly sense or worldly purpose. Sure, yeah. Um, and I think that's great because fitting into a First Timothy 5 concept or a Titus 2 concept, uh, you see those two elements at work teaching our children how to love, like loving them, obviously, and, and showing them by example, um, but teaching them how to love with the love of God in truth, um, but also discipling them, teaching them the disciplines of the faith and growing in that relationship with them as they grow in their relationship with God. And so, good. And I think today, and, and culturally speaking, we do live in such a time in which a lot of, I think, moms out there they love their kids, but the thought of spending so much time with them is almost daunting. It, it's almost one of those things where it's just like, I don't know if I can really do that. Um, I actually do get that a lot. Yeah. 
good for you. I couldn't spend that much time with my children. That just makes me sad. Sure. And, and, and you, you think about it in relation to if, if our job is to disciple them in the Lord and to teach them the heart of God towards us, would, would we ever be okay with saying that God just wants to pull back from us and never want to spend time with us and only when he wants to spend time with us, does he? I mean, that, that doesn't right. reflect the heart of God. It's like we're teaching our children in that way of saying that I only want to be around you when I want to. And that's not the heart of God. Um, and so I think it's a crucial thing to, to know that that's part of the biblical construct of merit or of marriage, of motherhood. Maybe that's our next one. Um, of motherhood is to reflect the heart of God and how God sees us and how God wants a relationship with us. That's how we should then want it for our kids and with our kids. And so good. Awesome. So next question. How has God's word shaped your outlook and your heart towards being a mother? Um, hmm. I'm not really even sure what my heart toward motherhood was starting out. Um, I, I loved the idea of children. I wanted, I think I wanted six, right? Yeah. So I wanted a big family. Just for the record, she wanted six. I wanted two. <laughs> so we decided to go for multiplying that. Yeah. yeah. Really, God decided to change our hearts yeah, on he that. Did. But. Um, well, and backstory on that, you wanted, and sorry to interrupt you, okay. but um, you wanted six, I wanted two. After our first one, um, you went down to three, and I said, I'm done. And it wasn't until we began to actually pursue God and understand his heart towards, um, towards us and towards mankind of how it says that he desires all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. And he wants his house filled like God loves kids and he wants a large family. And I'm not saying that God's going to give every single person a large family just because they're going after God's heart. But what we found was that as we just began to say, okay, God wants life and he wants it abundantly. How much, uh, how cool is it that we get to partake in the example of saying we want to also produce life and produce it abundantly in a physical sense and just simply giving that to God and saying, God, produce in us whatever you want. And when our heart changed towards that because we understood God's heart, mm -hmm. um, that's when all of a sudden it was like, present your body as a living sacrifice. Just give it to God and say, God, whatever you want for me, I'm trusting that that's the best thing. And we've had our, our bumps in the road and we've had our struggles and our wrestlings and, and times in which it's been suffering. But in the same sense, there's been those rewarding moments. And so kind of, that's a bunny trail going back to this. How would you say God's word has shaped your outlook and heart towards being a mother or towards motherhood just in general? Yeah, I think it's actually a really good segue because <clears throat> God has shown me that despite what culture says, I feel like that was the only teacher I really had for a long time was what other moms that had gone before me experienced and shared. And oftentimes it was, oh, motherhood is so hard. And just focusing on the difficulties and the sacrifice in a negative sense. Right. And as I got in his word and I just grew closer um, to him and understanding his perspective, not just for motherhood, but his, the way he views children in general, um, in his heart toward his children, I think it helped me to have um, more of a perspective of this is a beautiful thing. This is, a, it has a great responsibility, but it also comes with great privilege. Yeah. And it's important to him um, because we represent his heart as the parent to the children. We represent his heart um, to our children. And just, I don't know, just ultimately 
he's helped me to see the perspective that this role is a beautiful thing, yeah. not a drudgery or a dreaded thing, um, and to embrace it um, with joy yeah. and excitement to get to see what he has planned for us and watching that unfold. Yeah. Very good. I like that. So kind of getting on a personal level here, just in your experiential aspect of being a mother over the last, you know, 16 years, what has been the hardest period of motherhood for you and how did you deal with it? Um, I would I think I answer this question the same to everybody. Um, <laughs> but I would say without a doubt, three children, four years old and younger, two in diapers, being constantly surrounded by children's, ch just children, children, yeah. children's conversations, um, children's TV shows, <laughs> children's, children's TV shows. Yeah. Trying to figure out like deciphering children's language. Um, what do you need? What are you asking me for that toddler babble? Um, and just feeling really overwhelmed and, and helpless in some moments of man, if I just had an extra set of hands yeah. or, or a few extra set of hands, or, um, if I could just clone myself, I think I thought that a lot. Um, I don't really remember how I, how I dealt with it, like something specific that jumps out to me, but it was probably around this time that God really worked on me and I developed a couple different mottos. One being just do the next thing instead of focusing on all the things that I had to do that day. It was just do the next thing, just do one thing. And, and then that was the other motto, just one day at a time, one thing at a time. Yeah. Um, and you know, what's the expression? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And, uh, for me, when motherhood felt or feels overwhelming, I go back to that. Just do the next thing or just do, just take this day, one thing at a time. We'll focus on other things tomorrow. As well as, um, I'm a list maker, so I might make a list of all the things that I would love to get done that day and then, and then prioritize mm -hmm. what are the most important things today, um, for me to get done and then work, work backward from there, focusing on the priorities and, and letting at the end of the day, if I didn't get it all done, then I knew I at least did the most important things. Yeah. Good. So, I mean, looking at that, how old would Cor Corbin have been? He was our oldest when you had three or four. I mean, it would have been less than seven. He for sure. turned four um, five days after Elijah was born. And so he would have been. She still got her memory. Around almost six when Josiah was born. Okay. So you have your oldest one being six years old, not really being able to help out quite like what we have now. We have a 16-year-old, we have a 13-year-old, um, and we've got an 11, 12-year-old, and we've got a 10-year-old, and all of them are able to change diapers, they help with cleaning, they do a whole lot of stuff around the house and even around the property to help me with Corbin mowing and stuff. So it became easier, but there was that period, that season in which when there wasn't any other little hands to help um, with all the diaper changes, with all the constant stuff going on, you just mm -hmm. felt overwhelmed. Yes. And I can let that, I guess, be a, a word of not just encouragement that that season will come to an end, mm -hmm. um, but also a word of exhortation for all of us out there that when we see moms in that situation, we see moms who have three little ones and they don't have a whole lot of hands to help them. Help them out. 
Do what you can. Come over and make dinner for them one day. Help to clean up their, their um, house one day for them or with them. Help to do their laundry. Just, it doesn't even have to be a weekly thing. Just maybe once a month. If you see it, just say, what can I do to help you? Um, and so, all right, so next, next question. What is your best advice to moms of little kids? And you kind of answered a little bit. I did, one, and you but. sort of answered what I was going to say. So I'll just expound on that. That's that one mind thing. Um, I know, right? Um, so there was a time, we maybe had four kids at the time, and I think it's my personality that if something needs to be done, I tend to do it myself because I know I can, I can do it yeah, the same. fastest, I can be the most efficient, I know I'm going to do it right, or at least the way that I want it done, and I don't have to you know, do it again and again. Um, but there was a moment... And you might not even remember this, but you said, teach them and train them now because someday you're going to wish that you had taught them how to do it right. And it stuck with me. And though I didn't want to take the time (laughs) to teach them because I knew that it would take extra time and it would take me longer to get things done and we wouldn't get as much done in, in, you know, a short amount of time. I took your advice, and I, I still tell people that today. There is, there is a time when kids are younger, they want to help. They ask you, can I help you do this? Can I help you do this? And it's easy to just say, oh, that's okay, you go play. I'll take care of it. But there's going to come a time where they stop asking you for right. help, and they stop wanting to help. And I don't know where that time is, and I think it's different ages for maybe their personalities. But I would say take advantage of the time when they're asking to help and not just let them help. Okay, you just go over there and do this, but show them how to do it properly because there is going to come a time where you expect them to help. And if you haven't taught them, then you're going to regret that, you know, not taking advantage of that opportunity. Train them, um, train them while they're asking for the help and they'll be excited about it in the moment. And then later on when you need their help for something because you can't, um, they'll know how to do it correctly. Right. Or even just not even in, in having their help on stuff, but just teaching them the basics of life in general. Sure. Equipping them, them for themselves, for their own life. And exactly. Things. Showing respect, um, showing courtesy or perfect courtesy, as the word tells us to do, having humility, expressing love and servanthood, um, all those things, taking the time when they're younger to develop those traits. It does take longer. It does take more time. It does take more effort. But if our job is to disciple them, we can't just throw them out there to the wolves and think that they're going to end up being okay when we haven't trained them. Jesus spent three years with grown men to train them. How much more should we do to those who are born in a natural state of sin, who don't know how to choose good from evil? How much more should we be doing to children as they're growing up to spend time with them, develop the relationship with them, teach them the ways of the Lord diligently? Mm -hmm. Because our job as fathers and as mothers is to make our children into disciples of Christ, followers of him. And so it's such a paramount thing to have to instruct them to take that time to say, I'm going to show you not just how to do this with me, but how to be this with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and saying, you're right, I don't remember that, but that's really wise advice. <laughs> so, um, all right, yeah, you guys don't get to see my humor very often, but I'm, I'm a pretty funny guy, am I not? Yeah, yeah, yeah very Make good. Me laugh yeah. every day. All right, next one. What is your best advice for moms during the tough teenage years? So we've talked a little bit about children. What about teenagers? 
Mm, I don't feel like I have nearly as much experience in this. <laughs> right, we've only got our two. Oldest is only sixteen. But one thing I'd say that I have learned, and again, I feel like this was a tag team effort on our part, and you probably don't realize it, but you would say things, and I'd be like, "That's true. I need to do that." And I think one of the biggest things is just asking probing questions, mm-hmm. um, and depending on personality, I mean. I'll be honest, I got one that you can ask probing questions and he'll just look at you and not, he doesn't want to speak. And then I've got some that you ask probing questions and they don't stop talking. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that, you know, just because they're not answering you, I, my, I guess my encouragement is don't give up because yeah. I have learned that if I, if I take my stand, like, well, clearly something's wrong. I'm just going to keep standing here until you answer me. Um, they will eventually uh, open up. It may take time to develop that. Um, uh, it's, it's not comfortability. Uh, what is the word I'm thinking of? It's just a comfort level. Yeah, comfort level. Yeah. Thank you. Um, a feeling like it's a, I know. Made up a word. <laughs> feeling like you're a safe place to share those things, but, um, it is an important thing because oftentimes when when kids speak, um, they don't they don't especially teenagers they all have they suddenly have these hormones and they have these feelings that they've never felt before and so that maybe they don't know how to describe it exactly. Um, so the other thing is ask probing questions, but listen intently, yeah. not just to what they're saying, but the heart behind what they're saying, um, and let it ask let it let it develop into more questions and more questions and maybe along the way coaching them into what what that feeling is actually called and how to respond to that feeling um, so that along the way you can guide them with a biblical yeah. perspective and, and, and giving them a safe place that it's okay to answer and if their answers are not they're not correct or they're not really um, even biblically thought out they need to know that they have a place that they can express those feelings and it's a safe place because then you're going to guide them to biblically right. think that process out. And I'm, I'm glad you added that last part because it's not just having a safe place. It's a, having a safe place to where then they can then be instructed into a right. biblical viewpoint because that's our job, right? It's not right. just to be nice mom and dads. It's not just to be our kids' friends. It is to be their instructors to disciple them. That is our job. That is an overarching thing. And so one of the things that I've learned through all of this is that observing my kids as they're younger, they desire to be outward. Everything that they want to do is just outward. They don't, they don't have anything internalized very oftentimes. It's not until they begin getting older that they kind of begin to recluse and become more internal. And it becomes now they're, they have all these feelings and these thoughts and they internalize them. They don't ever go outward to, to say things. And it's our job as parents to have to probe that out of them so that we can then instruct them. Mm -hmm. And so... um, It's like they go through puberty and the analogy I was just thinking of... Okay, this went from G to now PG. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, like in the Garden of Eden, they were not clothed and it wasn't until they ate of the forbidden fruit (laughs) that they were suddenly aware that they weren't clothed. And I think for kids... They they don't have those yep. thought process. Good. They don't have that filter. They don't have they don't have a, a knowledge of really oftentimes um, the evil that's really yeah. out there. And as they get older, they begin to kind of learn about the world, and then they see things through a different perspective. And they have these feelings that they may see and be like, "Wait, I might have this feeling that 
seems kind of like what I'm witnessing, but I know that can be a bad thing. So then I don't want to talk about it because what if what I'm feeling is wrong? And then, but they don't want to. Yeah. But they don't want to talk they about. They become it. aware. Yes. You know? So and giving a them a platform to say those things while guiding them through yeah. thinking through them biblically and responding to them biblically, I think is important. But they have to know that it's a safe place. Yeah. If, if every time they say something to you and it's not biblically thought out, we like crush them to the ground with "How dare you even think that?" Then they're not going to feel like that's a safe place. Yeah, for sure. So good. So in all of history, who do you admire most in terms of motherhood? <laughs> That's kind of a difficult question for me because I don't feel like there's a whole lot of um, women that just really stand out. I will say that um, I haven't I haven't listened to her in a long time, and I don't really know um, what she stands for currently in her ministry. So I don't I just don't want to say like um, we are fully supportive. Yes, I'm yeah. not, I may not fully support everything she says in her ministry, but in a time in my life when I felt like God was changing my perspective on motherhood. And I felt alone in that. And when I looked around me, I didn't feel like that was being reciprocated in the hearts of other moms around me. Nancy Campbell with Above Ruby's ministry just was a voice of biblical um, perspective that resonated in my soul. And her, her outlook and her perspective on mothers and wives in general from a biblical perspective was a huge encouragement sure. to me. Because she, she opened our eyes a lot of times on several verses that we had always glossed over, like in Psalm 127, you know, in 1 through 5, when he talks about it, I guess that's the entire chapter, I guess. But <laughs> when he talks about it, she like, there was things that just clicked. Yeah. That as she went into the Hebrew on that, she began to dissect it. And then she kept the context of 3 through 5 in 1 through 2. It was like, wait a second. That actually makes so much sense as to what, that's what Psalm 127, 1 through 5 is actually stating. And it was things like that that became um, a great source of encouragement for both of us to continue in the direction that God was taking us through his word. Right. So yeah. Nancy Campbell being one, I mean, did you have like any others? Um, I remember reading a story about Susanna Wesley and she had 18 children, if I remember correctly. And not every yeah. one of them made it lived to yeah. adulthood, but um, being she she was at home with her children, she taught her children, um, and I just remember this story about how she made it such a priority to spend time with the Lord, despite how many children were surrounding her constantly. And um, I was like, wow, if she could do it, I could do it, you know. Uh, at the time, I probably just had a handful of children, but I know it said every day she would sit in a particular chair or a stool or something, and she would put a shawl or something over her head and she had trained her children to know that um, when she is under the shawl praying to the Lord she was not to be disturbed I mean obviously if there was an emergency or something right, I'm yeah. sure that she didn't mind being interrupted but for the most part the children had just been trained to know mom spending time with the Lord and she's not to be disturbed and it really spoke to me as far as saying don't let your children be an excuse to not spend time mm -hmm. with the Lord. Rather, train them of the importance and the boundary of when yeah. I'm with the Lord, give me that space right. to be with the Lord. Again, teaching them respect, you know, teaching them priorities of um, not prioritizing worldly things or selfishness over the things of God. Um, you know, I know for me, Hudson Taylor's mom was, was a big one, and I've talked about it before on the podcast that, you know, when she had such a burden for her son to come to the Lord, that um, one day she just dropped her knees in prayer and she said, I'm not going to get up until I know his salvation secure. And so she started praying. And I, I don't know the full details of this story. What I do know is that it was as hours that she was in prayer. And 
there came a moment where she had to stand in faith and she realized that God told her it's done. Mm -hmm. It's, it's done. It's, it's accomplished. And so she, without knowing any physical evidence of it, she just got up and she took it by faith that God had answered her prayer and that was done. And what she didn't know is that this exact same time, Hudson Taylor, I believe, was in his father's library looking for something to read. And he opened up this book. I don't remember if it was the Bible or if it was something fell out of the book or whatever it was. But whatever it was, he read it and it just resonated with him, the gospel message. He had been resistant to it prior to. He had been told about it and all this stuff, but he had never actually grasped it. And in that moment, he grasped it. He got it. God opened his eyes to be able to see it. And when he went to go tell his mom, who was um, away somewhere, I don't remember where she was, but she was um, off on a, uh, somebody's house or whatever. He goes up and he knocks on the door and he says, I have something to tell you. And she's like, I already know. Mm-hmm. The faith that she had and the effort that she put into her son's salvation is such an encouraging thing. Sure. Because that is ultimately our job and our goal yeah. is to, to lead them to the footsteps of the cross by example and by teaching to get them to get on it. That's our job. It's not anything else. I don't care if you think your job is to train them up in worldly wisdom. That's not your job. Not according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Your job is to not just be a friend. Your job, your job is to lead them to Jesus Christ. And that is the ultimate responsibility of, of a mother and of a father. As we work together in that. Cool. So what has been your greatest challenge in all your years of being a mother? Probably just that. Um, uh, the story with Amelia Taylor that you just shared um, is a really big encouragement. But I think that's probably been my biggest challenge is praying consistently for our children. And not because I don't believe in the power of prayer as much as it being my personality to just do things for myself. Um I will often feel like um, I get so wrapped up in I'm going to teach them this or I'm going to train them this or I'm going to, you know, do these things and only in hindsight realize that I really should have first committed them to prayer and let God fill in the gaps right. where I where I messed up. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to do better about that, but that probably has been one of the biggest challenges that I know should be there biblically but isn't as consistent as I would like it to be. Yeah, for sure. I think that can be, a lot of people can empathize with that struggle and that challenge. Um, but the struggle and the challenge can have many reasons as to why we struggle. We should never let them be excuses. Right. You know, and that's the challenge oftentimes for us. So what has been the most rewarding aspect of motherhood for you? <laughs> Probably seeing fruit in yeah, my older children of all sure. the years putting in training, for <laughs> sure. I remember there was a time when I was like, I'm never going to, when am I ever going to see fruit in these kids' lives, you know? And mothers who had older children were like, just hang on, it comes, yeah. I promise. And I felt like it would never get there. But so, yeah, that, that has been pretty rewarding. Um, I think a close second is probably having it's a, it's kind of a, um, a bittersweet thing. Sometimes I'm like starting over again and I'm almost 40, but really when I sit back and think about it, that is a very huge, um, blessing for me is the opportunity to get to start over because how many parents look back and they regret some of the decisions that they made with their kids and they don't have other children coming up that they get to redo it and try to do it right this time. Um, so, That's cool. It's kind of like the glass half full to the glass half empty. 
is looking at it as I get another opportunity to, to do it better. Yeah. I get another opportunity to take what I've learned from these first 10 and now invest it and change what I didn't do right or what I did do wrong and change it for this 11th one to say, God's given me another opportunity to, to do it better. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. All right, so if you could give just one piece of advice to any woman out there who is not yet a mother, whether she might be a wife, you know, she, she might be single, but she's not yet a mother, but she has this desire for motherhood and to be a mother, what would be that one piece of advice that you would give to them? Um, probably that God doesn't promise that you get to be a physical mother, but mothering in in a general sense is really simply a disposition okay Um, the sacrificial acts of nurturing caring for um gently coming along somebody and discipling them and teaching them um watching over them caring for them those kinds of things is is mothering someone um even I was thinking about when we read the other day with the children, we were going through First Thessalonians, and even Paul, the apostle, described yeah. himself um, with a mothering character when he said he was gentle, caring, affectionately desirous, ready to share. So really, God may or may not bless you with physical children, but even if he doesn't, your heart's desire to mother can be fulfilled when you look at it like that. You can take the disposition of being a mother to other people um, even if it's just spiritually and coming along and caring for other people. So similar to like the story with Amy Carmichael. Sure. Yeah. She'd never yeah. physically had any children yet. She mothered thousands of children, um, through the orphanage and was it India? I think it was India. Yeah. Um, yes, very much like that. And there's many women, um, throughout history who did very similar things. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with the story, I would encourage you to go look it up. But essentially, she she never got married. Um, she never obviously became a physical mother to a child of her own. However, um, she had a ministry over in India where she would rescue, rescue temple children and bring them in. She had, I think, at one time like 100 orphans um, that she brought in and she cared for. She, she nurtured them. She brought them up in the ways of the Lord. Um, she fulfilled the role of a mother, though none of them were actually her right. child. So 10 yeah. or 11, that's nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I don't know how much help that she had, but I mean, that was, that was her. I mean, that was what she did. Um, and I think that that's a, um, a beautiful thing, you know, so whatever it is that God has you in your position, you might be single or maybe you are a wife and you're struggling to have children or whatever it might be. Give that to God. Let him handle what he chooses to give to you and what he doesn't. But you can still fulfill the role of a mother. It just might not be with your own kids. And we have to learn to be content with such things. Um, and so, awesome. Um, well, let me, I was trying to actually find that verse um, where we talked about that. Oh, there it is. First um, Thessalonians chapter 2. It says this in verse 7. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. And that's a big concept of what motherhood really is. 
Um, and so uh, you can go back and look at that if you guys want to. But now that we gave a piece of advice for those who are not yet mothers uh, with children of their own, their physical children of their own, um, what would be one piece of advice you would give to anyone out there who is already a mother, no matter what season they're in, young kids, older kids, if they're already a mother um, of children of their own specifically, what would that advice be? And we'll, that's going to be our last question. Um, ultimately, my advice would be what you focus on will guide your hearts and ultimately your perspective. So if you're struggling with joy, instead of focusing on the things that bring you frustration, mm. ask God to change your perspective. That's if good. you're struggling with feeling overwhelmed, ask God to help you um, see it from a, a heavenly, eternal perspective on what you're doing and and um, remembering the why, not just the what. Yeah. Um, things like that. Um, I think it's important to, if you don't, if you don't know other women who have a biblical perspective on motherhood, find yeah. find them, yeah. um, surround yourself with them because um, it, the things that women say, and I know oftentimes it's done in in jest, in lighthearted manner, but. Constantly focusing on the negatives, whether we're joking about it or not, ultimately will affect our perspective yeah. and how we feel about our role as women and as mothers. Um, and so just shifting your, your focus and your perspective um, and asking God to give you a biblical perspective on it, an eternal perspective on it, keeping the, the purpose of why he's called you to be a mother and not just the what in the moment that's causing you know frustration or or an overwhelming feeling or despair or even like, I don't like being a mom right now. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do this. It's too hard or, you know, whatever, just asking God for a different perspective that, that has helped me in the past. And, and there are still days when I'm like, Oh, I just want to close myself in my room. Um, <laughs> just being honest yeah. that I have to go and ask God to help me help change my perspective. Again, remind me of why I'm doing this. What is the purpose? Um, and just refocusing my whole mindset because it are the things we think about in our minds will direct our hearts. Yeah. And I think what is a lot of it comes down to what is the source? What well are you tapping into? Is yeah. it the well, the waters of eternal life that, that have that life abundant or is it the wells of this world? Is it selfishness? Is it selfish thoughts and feelings to where it's just like, Hey, I just want some me time, you know, um, type thing. And to realize that it is a season. Yes. It's a season that God has already equipped you as a mother to be able to endure. His divine nature, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to a life of godliness. And so it's you have already been equipped because God has made you a mother. You are already equipped to fulfill the role that he has called you in and the purpose that he's given to you. You have what you need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right. And so we, you know that, but practically living that out on the day to day basis can be difficult. And that's why I'm hoping that this podcast is an encouragement to you mothers out there or you you soon to be mothers out there. Or maybe you won't actually have a child of your own that actually you birth into this world, but you will have opportunities to be motherly um, in this. And I think it all comes down to what you said. What is your perspective? Is it uh, a culturally adapted viewpoint of what motherhood is or has it been ingrained and entrenched in a biblical perspective that perspective will guide you and that's why i think in colossians 3 we'll summarize it with this 
in chapter 3, 1 through, um, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. What your perspective is, is going to be what guides you. And may your perspective be rooted in a biblical understanding of what God has called you in the beautiful role of being a mother. Um, and so hopefully this podcast was an encouragement to you, it was a blessing to you. It was um, a, you know, an exhortation, uh, whatever it might have been, a challenge. Man, I hope these podcasts are challenging to you because I never want to feed you guys with stuff that's just fluff. I want these things to be challenging in a good way that encourages you and, and promotes a biblical form of living. And as it even says in Hebrews 10 where it says to spur one another on to love and good works. And if you know what a spur is intended for whenever you're riding a horse and you've got that sharp metallic object on the back of your boot and you gouge that back into that horse to get him to go the way it needs to, it probably doesn't feel that good. But it is our commission to spur one another on to love and to good works. And there is not many better good works that God has commissioned women for than to be a mother. And so you all be blessed.